I never rewarded myself with food on weigh day. I broke away from the cycle of happy eat, sad eat, this eat, you know, that cycle has gone for me now. And that, that is just life changing. And to be able to say that, like, I don't look at Slimmer World as a diet. You see the food I cook, it's, it's a healthy approach to food. It's family friendly. I think regardless of the plan you follow, once you're in a calorie deficit and you're happy, that's the main thing. But it's all about your mindset and how you how you look at things and how you look at yourself and how you look at food. I never once looked at myself in my journey and thought, ew, or looked in the mirror. Every single day I looked in the mirror from once I started and thought, oh my God, I'm so proud of you. Like I wasn't looking for a certain size to go, oh, Nicola, I'm so happy for you now. Like, obviously, every award is a massive achievement, but I didn't need the award to tell myself that I was happy or proud of myself. Slimming Storage is brand now. I've created a Facebook group, and over the next couple of months, I'll be building a community starting with live Slimming Story conversations. This is your opportunity to feature on one of the upcoming podcast episodes and share your weight loss journey. Are you with me? All you need to do is just click on the link in the podcast show notes or search for Slimming Stories within the group feature on Facebook. I would love to see you there. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Slimming Stories. I'm your host, Claire Alden West. I'm not sure if I've mentioned this on the podcast, but I've actually put myself forward to do a 10k in October. Anybody following me on Instagram will know that I've been doing the Couch 5k and I've done a 10k in the past. So I just decided to go for it, bite the bullet and do the 10k. So that's going to happen in October. And I think it, I don't know, it gives me something to aim for. You know, the restaurants are still not open. So why not get out for the morning runs and then commit to a goal? And this just gives me something to focus on. And if you're listening, thinking, I can't think of anything worse than running, you know, whether you're running, walking, going to the gym, whatever you're doing, you know, just have something that allows you to get out, keep fit and keeps you focused because this really does help with a weight loss journey. It's having that positive focus and this is definitely an ongoing theme for my guests this week. Nicola Gilfoyle talks about her weight loss journey and how she was able to get ahead in a really, really positive space before she even approached the weight loss. She was in a really positive space. The weight loss I guess was difficult, like any weight loss journey, you have your highs and your lows. But she felt empowered by the fact that she didn't hate herself, she didn't look in the mirror and hate her reflection. She was very grateful for the health that she had and she wanted to make those improvements. She's lost 12 and a half stone with Slimming World. I mean, 12 and a half stone, that's just, it's a crazy amount of weight to lose. And I think for anybody to listen to this, that maybe has a large amount of weight to lose. I think it's really important just to listen to Nicola's story and how soon she noticed changes with her health journey. She'd been suffering from acid reflux and on starting this plan, you know, within a week or so, it had gone to the wayside just by changing her diet. So I really know that this story is going to just inspire the pants off you. So is introducing Nicola to her episode of Slimming Stories. Well, basically, my whole life, my weight fluctuated. So my youngest kind of memory was 
being of the weighing scales, I suppose, was being 10 stone at 10 years old and having this visualization of what clothes that look like on me, but them not looking like that on me, but not realizing I was overweight, you know, that sort of way, because a child you don't understand. And it kind of started from there, my issues with weight and then the kind of the yo-yo dieting, you know, I went into first year in school. It's like high school over there. And I would have been 18 to 20 in a uniform. And someone wrote in the bathroom horrible things about my weight. And that caused me to drop in weight going into the following year in school. And that just started the cycle, I suppose, of me thinking to be accepted, you had to be or look a certain way which was really a horrible way to think about it. And then I suppose as I got older and I had my children and I lost my mum to cancer at the age of 23. And then a few years later, I lost my brother to addiction. And I realised, I started to realise a lot about life and, you know, focusing on the positive things and turning negative situations into positive situations and, going on holidays and having such a good group of friends on holidays and I came to realize that happiness isn't a dress size and happiness isn't being or looking a certain way to be accepted by people you don't have to be what society deems as perfect and I went on that mental journey took a good 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 few years like Mm. so coming up to January the 6th 2020 I I was free mentally I was so happy you know I was my heaviest I was 22 stone eight pounds but we me and myself and my husband were after having a great Christmas and new year with the kids and we were like god we're really happy and we were doing things and we said like oh my god we're ready let's start Slimming World so when I said it, he was like, oh, I'll go with you. So we started the physical journey, but I wasn't unhappy. You know, there's so many people start and they're like, oh my God, mm-hmm. I'm depressed. Like, obviously I had the side where clothes didn't fit and I had aches and pains and I had chaffing and I had all the I had acid reflux so bad that when I'd lay down, I'd vomit. It was yeah, horrendous. Wow. I, oh my God. Like I would be just going in asleep and the vomit would come up my throat. It was that mm-hmm. bad. But I wasn't unhappy when I started. And like I was always, no matter what size I was, I was always a heavily involved parent with my children, you know, on the parents' council. My daughter did competitive dancing, obviously with COVID she can't. I was always the mom at the dance competitions. I was always the biggest in the room, but it didn't stop me from being a parent either. So I suppose when I started my physical journey then, I had a totally different outlook on life when I started because I no longer felt that happiness was a destination. So I wasn't like, oh, I can't wait to be this size because it would bring me happiness. Yeah. I had learned through the years of yo-yo dieting that if you're not happy within, that you won't be happy no matter what size you are. And that's so many people go so wrong in life with no matter what plan you follow, if they look for happiness within a number. And and my journey has been amazing. Now I made massive changes. I eliminated alcohol completely. 
So I haven't drank in over 15 months because we were drinking four or five nights a week at home and having takeaways on top of it. Do I think I had a problem with drink? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it was just habits. So many people Mm -hmm. recreationally drink, but it got me through times, you know, dealing with the loss of my brother. I suppose it helped me get to the place I was, but I was able to give it up and not go back on it. And that stopped the kind of the cycle of, you know, so many people when they're on a weight loss journey and they go out at the weekend and they Mm -hmm. drink and then they binge eat and then they're chasing their tail all week. Yeah. That cycle isn't there for me. Just looking at what you've explained that, you know, you lost your mom and then your brother. I mean, that must have been horrendous. But to have from that, this outlook that, you know, life is for living. Do you feel that having gone through that loss, it made you put, I guess, a different like spin on life itself and the, the relevance and the importance of it and how precious life is having gone through the loss of your, your brother? And your mom. Oh, definitely. It kind of made me realize, I suppose, reflect on the simple things in life and look at the things that matter and the things that don't matter and the people who matter and the people who don't matter. I think so many people look for approval and validation from other people. And I feel free because I don't need acceptance or approval from anybody. And as a child, I always felt, you know, a teenager going through weight struggles I always felt you'd be accepted more if you were or looked a certain size and that's I suppose the pressures of society and as I got older then and the experience I went through those things helped me to lead to the place I'm now where it's so empowering to realize well your opinion of me is irrelevant because I'm happy I don't need approval from you and it's not saying it in a in a rude way to somebody like obviously you'll take a compliment and but if somebody passes a negative remark or says something you're like well I'm not going to give that my energy because I'm in such a good place and that's such a lovely feeling. Absolutely and touching on the you know the weight at 10 stone I remember that at year 10 I was nine stone I think I was about nine and a half and I fully remember <laughs> everything that you're saying is, is yeah really resonates with me I can remember Back in the day, we'd get like a Gretton catalogue and flicking through that and then looking at the, the children, you know, modelling these clothes and then you'd be like excited to try them on. And it's like, well, this looks nothing like, nothing like what I see in the catalogue. And, and I think being young and being overweight and you look around, you, you know, you, you, you school friends and then thinking, well, you feel, you do feel different, don't you? Do you feel that having had that experience that carried on throughout your your teens or was it the case that you always felt like you had to prove that you were worthy or did you just put that to the back of your mind? Oh, I always felt I was chasing something for approval or acceptance and I used to worry if people liked me or didn't like me and it all derived from being mocked for being overweight and being treated differently for being overweight. And it's when you're older and you look back, you know, never being picked for the teams and wondering as a child, why wasn't I picked or, you know, never in the front row in the, in dancing and then kind of going, okay, 
why wasn't I? And then you see Jesus like it is. It's there from childhood. It, you know, it, it goes back that far. And it's sad, really, to feel like that as a child, because you don't, as I was saying to you, like, you know, exactly the feeling. But like when you see clothes and then you put them on, you don't understand why don't these look like that on me? Like, I remember I had the experience, remember the boots up to the knee were in over the leggings. Yeah. And they just didn't look, and the Pepe jeans or something, jumpers, and they look nothing like that on me, like. I know I, I can remember going to Doris Perkins, trying some clothes on. I've gone, it was like a Saturday. I think it was about 12 at this, this stage. We'd gone down into local town, gone to get some clothes. And I kept trying these jeans on. And I, I don't know if it was Levi's. I don't know. I didn't know they wouldn't have been within the Doris Perkins. I was trying this, this item of clothing on. And I kept saying, I look fat, I look fat, I look fat. And then the, the lady in, at that time, they had like a, an attendant within the room. And she's like, you either are fat or you you know or you're not mm. I was like I was like 12 like for goodness sake I was like 12 years old and I mean yeah pepper jeans for me I think that perfect look of a peaty bum within a pair of Levi's my friends were super slim um especially up to the age of like 14 the, the girls that I used to hang around with one was like a size six size eight and then there was me that was like a size 14 and you, you just want you want that so much and and trying to think what what can I do to to make this this happen for me and I remember going to a friend's house and um I had the same the same portion size as like the parent because I was served this meal and I was like well can I have an extra this and and obviously obviously very politely (laughs) so I was given more food because the, the portion that I used to um associate with a normal portion was nowhere near what they was giving me and I don't want to I don't want to blame parents or whether it's you know come from a family that everything revolves around food but what was your relationship like with food and and with the family setting that you you I think like I always look at it like as a parent myself I look at my parents and the way I was reared that parents are always only learning so I can pass judgment on the way I was reared because I'm still learning as a parent. We often say things to our children and go, geez, I would have handled that situation differently. But food was always the go-to. I, I remember falling down the stairs and tripping as a child and you were handed a chocolate biscuit. <laughs> Stop crying. You know, like you you finish your dinner and you can have a treat. Yeah. You know, you have to eat more to eat more. Whereas mm-hmm. I say to my children now, they're like, Mom, I've enough. If you've enough, leave it. You don't have to finish it. You want to teach them to listen to their body, not to stuff to the point where you're filling yourself up because you have to clear the plate. I don't like that. Whereas that's the way I would have been reared. You finish this, you can have this. It's a crazy notion, isn't it? Eat more calories to then have more have more calories. And there's, there's definitely like a, a cultural element, I think like post-war. I mean, I've still got my grandma's ration book and I just think, imagine everything was rationed and then you're then rearing children to to fill them up and make sure they're fed. So my, my dad was really spoiled by my grandma. That pattern can then continue because it's it's all behaviour, isn't it? It's all learned behaviour. Oh, definitely. Through, through generation, but it's great there what you said about we're all learning. It's, it's just a learning curve. Definitely, and like... I think so many people are quick to judge somebody or another parent. But if you have the outlook, like they're only learning, 
we often say things, as I said, to our children where afterwards you think, right, I would have handled that situation differently if I was given the chance again. So I try to approach food differently with my kids than what it was dealt with with me in the sense. Like I always remember kind of being reared on bread and butter and, you know, (laughs) the go to was like four slices of toast in the morning, which are fry up or sugary cereal and you know, dinners weren't, you know, you're reared on mints and things like yeah. that and mashed potatoes loaded with butter. And whereas my my children, nothing is off bounds, but it's everything in moderation. But I don't want there's no secrecy around food or there's no you have there's none of that. Eat this to get this. If you're full, you're full. That's fine. If you're full from your dinner, you can wait a little while, but you can still have the ice cream but I don't even use the word treat you can still have the ice cream but just wait yeah. till you're hungry food. for it just food yeah yeah wait till you're hungry for it there's no point in shoving it down your neck if you're full from dinner the amount of times and I've said this on the podcast before that my son didn't like didn't like sweets I don't even tell you I'm not sure if I've mm. displayed this yet on the podcast and I will do actually I don't know if you've heard of Pavlov as a theorist um and if you've yeah. heard of Pavlov the dog about ringing the bell I can't believe I'm saying this. Mm. Anyway, we'll put it out there. Let's be weird. So I knew that I didn't want my son to have any problems with his teeth. So when I was younger, I had to have fillings and things like that. And my teeth are fine now, but obviously like my baby teeth and everything, because my mum just used to say fish teeth and she wouldn't like watch over me. She'd trust that I'd do it. Couldn't be bothered to be fair. I used to love <laughs> sugar. I used to love sugar. <laughs> I went, when my son was born, I thought, well, I'm going to get around this because obviously every party is going to is getting new sweet bags I kind of knew that anyway so from a really young age I think it was about 15 months I this is really bad I don't know if it's really bad or really good <laughs> I used to get the sweets and I used to hold the sweet to my mouth and I used to like pull like a really nasty face out of taste of vinegar I'm like oh this is disgusting <laughs> throw it away Put it in. I'm like oh my have you I smell this it's disgusting and be like oh and get that idea that sweets were disgusting so much so that my son couldn't put a sweet to his mouth because I trained him subconsciously. Oh, <laughs> and, um, and even like school could not understand it. Like they'd try and give him lollipops and he wouldn't have a lollipop. But every time he went to school, they was wanting to give him sweets for some sort of treat, whether they'd done some sort of reading or some anything that was like, you've done really well. Let's give you sweets, you know. Let's do everything to shower you with, with sugar. And that is very extreme. But I was just intent that he wouldn't eat sweets and, and later on down the line when I met my husband stepdaughters that they got him into sweets I blame them, I blame them. <laughs> but it's like the, the drastic action that you know you need to take having been through that yourself it shows but it shows that how easy learned behavior is with children doesn't it mm. it really does and like my children are all different bills the three of them, like my son is six foot something and he can eat whatever he wants. Then I have a daughter in the middle. She's very sporty. She's petite and small. And then the youngest would be the same size as her sister. There's two years and 10 months between them and she's more of a broader frame. Um, She's more onto the build. I was when I was small. She's not overweight by any means, but she's broader than her sister. So the three of them are totally different totally different and you know having been through that that journey of loss and then considering weight loss 
that term loss, there's, there's a lot of weight against that word, isn't there? You know, and I, I feel that this is why some people do struggle on a weight loss journey because why would they want to lose something? You know, they've just had an extensive grief episode in life. Why would they not want to do anything in terms of loss? So the good thing for you is that you recognise that you're in a, a good place and you've got this new gratitude for life. How was it stepping through those doors, knowing that you was committed to, to change in your health? I think when I walked in there, I was the biggest in the room, but everyone was so supportive. I didn't feel it in there. I didn't feel like people were looking or whispering or any of that. And that was lovely. That was really, really nice. But I was determined. But I knew I had to not repeat the patterns that I had over the years. That's why I eliminated alcohol. Another massive thing. I never rewarded myself with food on weigh day. I broke away from the cycle of happy, eat, sad, eat, this, eat. You know, that cycle has gone for me now. And that that is just life changing. And to be able to say that, like, I don't look at Slimmer World as a diet. It's, you see the food I cook, it's, it's a healthy approach to food. It's family friendly. I think regardless of the plan you follow, once you're in a calorie deficit and you're happy, that's the main thing. But it's all about your mindset and how you, how you look at things and how you look at yourself and how you look at food. Like I never once looked at myself in my journey and thought, ew, or looked in the mirror. Every single day I looked in the mirror from once I started and thought, oh my God, I'm so proud of you. Like I wasn't looking for a certain size to go oh Nicola I'm so happy for you now you've like obviously every award is a massive achievement yeah but I didn't need the award to tell myself that I was happy or proud of myself yeah and it's good to to make that connect and with the the acid reflux and those health complications that, that you had with the excess weight can you pinpoint a moment that you you recognize that actually been a change like it was like instantly once my diet changed because I was drinking cider was the alcoholic drink I was my drink of choice so that's full of acid Hmm. so once I stopped drinking within the week the reflux was gone and that was massive and you know that in itself was huge now other ailments like I had terrible knee pain and back pain I had to wear sliders all the time because my feet were swollen and it was impossible for me to, to bend down and put on shoes and things because of the size of me and it took a good few stone before the knee pain started to subside like I didn't commit like people always ask me when did you exercise when did you introduce exercise for me the first few months were solely concentrating on food optimizing. It was developing a healthy relationship with food. It was breaking away from the patterns and the cycles of using food as a go-to, rewarding myself with food. It was developing that healthy relationship and creating the habits that if I give my body craves this, what can I adapt that's healthy to have it and not feel food guilt? There was never an issue of food guilt. So the first few months were concentrating on that. I was active, but only to where my mobility left me, mm. you know, that sort of way. Yeah. So I, I only really committed to exercise where it's part of my life, 100%, the end of summer last year. So that was a good few months into my journey. I did the odd book, 
like when I used to start walking, like when people say I can't, I used to walk in leggings and sliders and come home and have to put an ice pack on my knee and lay down with the pain. And people don't see that side of the journey when they just see your pictures or see you physically on Instagram. They don't realize the work and the struggle and the determination, the willpower to even start what it takes. And as I said, I didn't start exercise until a good bit in, but the health side of it, the acid reflux took about a week before the, for that to subside because I was putting no additives or preservatives or anything in my food. Everything is made from scratch and there was nothing to upset my tummy. So I didn't have that. And that was amazing. And then it took definitely took a good five stone before the joint pain subsided. I can imagine the difficulties of just going on a small journey with experience and that pain. So compared to how you were then and compared to what you're capable of now in terms of walking, in terms of being mobile, what has been the the biggest benefit of your health turning around and being physically active? Like it's brought us all together as a family so much closer, I suppose, in with COVID and everything, we realized so much more about the best things in life are free and all that. But I can, I'm climbing mountains now. Like I climbed a massive mountain the weekend to see the sunrise. Oh, wow. And it was, it was amazing. And to go from kind of bringing your kids to the park and sitting on the bench because you're not able to take part with them to now being able to run around with them and like looking forward to your next adventure or in the evening time saying, where can we go for a walk or where can we go? The kids have go on their bikes or their scooters. Like our, my life has transformed like a full circle. It's just, it's like the tunnel vision, the tunnel has opened. Yeah. And now I can see so much more. But like you gain so much by losing weight, like the forum out there is amazing. The people you connect with who understand, like I always say weight loss, no, doesn't know sex. It doesn't know race. It doesn't know age. We all have that in common when you battle with weight or battle with weight in different stages of your life. You have that in common with people over anything. We understand the feeling of being the biggest in the room, yet the most invisible. Mm. and you never forget those things like I've never forgotten those things even after losing the weight I still am that person I still have that empathy I still understand the feeling of you know that everyone goes through on their weight loss journeys yeah and it's just as I said the forum out there the friends I've met the people who understand it's just it's amazing it really is and I know that you've got a strong Instagram account there. There's some lovely, lovely followers. If anybody would be interested in following your journey, what's your Instagram handle? It's Nicola Get Slim is my Instagram name. Fantastic. And, you know, if if nobody is aware of you or maybe there's not a swimming world or maybe they're just wanting to start, you know, it was the 12th of April yesterday, and in the UK, it's all right, okay, let's get to the shops, let's get to the gym. I don't know, it's almost like that post-Christmas feel. That post Definitely. Feel, yeah, people, it's like that taste of hope is in the air. So for anybody listening that maybe has put the weight on, 
over lockdown, whichever lockdown that may be, maybe right from March of last year, what piece of advice can you give to help them to see that the commitment is actually worth it? Well, firstly, I'd say regardless of the path you choose on your journey, you have to love yourself and realise that happiness isn't going to be achieved by being a certain number. And then I would say, be kind to yourself. Find something that works for you. Slim and World is amazing. I found it fantastic. The support system, if you put yourself out there, if you do your Zooms, if you put yourself on the forums, if you give yourself the knowledge of the plan, it's amazing. It really, really does work. So I would say get involved in something where you get the support you need and just be happy and be kind to yourself and enjoy the journey. Don't wait for tomorrow. Don't wait for the dress size. Don't wait for a number to feel that this is going to bring you happiness because that isn't life. No, that's it. That's where your, your attention's in the wrong the wrong place and it's all about focusing on on other things bigger things bigger brighter more exciting things than that, than that number on the scale oh definitely another massive thing is that positivity positivity surround yourself with positivity and um, project positivity because it comes back in a tenfold like obviously you're going to be met with negativity you're going to be met with people who try to bring you down but it's how you react to that Mm. has a massive impact on your life don't ever give anyone the power to make you feel like you can't do something yeah and that's a massive thing and I think that comes from me striving to be the person I needed when I was growing up I needed someone to say to me Nicola don't feel you have to listen to them or be the way they want you to be just be you and everything else will fall suit once you're happy definitely challenging that mindset and I think it's, there's almost a piece around challenging your mindset as part of the slimming journey. I, I would love to see that more. I think Weight Watchers are really up on that at the moment. They're really into the, the mindset piece. And, yeah, I think, I think that's really something that we need to integrate within the, the weight loss journey. Because if your head's not in it, you know, it's, it's going to be hard and it's going to be more of a battle. Say like my journey, I was mentally free entering it. So the yeah. physical journey made so much more sense. And it's amazing. Like I love to read quotes and books. And if you follow, if you see Charlie Mackey on Instagram, there's his books and illustrations are about the boy, the horse and the mole. And there's one quote in it and it's, do you see the bo- or do you see the glass half full or half empty? And the little boy replies, I'm just thankful I have a glass. And if we could all think like that in life, it's just, it sums it up really. Yeah, it really, really does. And coming out of lockdown and, and thinking about our health journeys and, and really respecting our bodies too, because, you know, this is our body. It's a gift. It's our body. And in a moment it can be taken away with COVID we know that we don't need to have that conversation and just respecting that it's, it's working for us but we need to help it along that journey too we can't just neglect and abuse it we need to be respectful of it and if we respect our bodies and we're respecting ourselves and we can get in a in a higher plane a higher state of mind and a higher state of being and, and having that that self-talk that's not severely negative all the time definitely and don't as I said surrounding yourself with positivity is key don't be around 
negative people don't give them your energy because it does consume you and Mm. by being able to step away from that it sets the foundation for more of a ripple effect of the positivity and it like sometimes I think I sound like a tree hugger at times (laughs) I've made such a transformation (laughs) but it's so true and positivity does win and (laughs) surrounding yourself with people who lift you up and encourage you rather than people who find fault you're never going to be everyone's cup of tea not everyone is going to like you but to be able to turn around and say well I don't mind if you don't like me. That's on you. I'm happy. Yeah. It's so, without even feeling the need to project negativity on them, is an amazing feeling. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just as you may not be everybody else's cup of tea, they may not be yours too. And that's how the world works, isn't it? And that's why that's we need life. to be down the gym, in the run clubs, <laughs> because the, the more that you can surround yourself with people that are looking at a positive change, especially when they're running, especially when they're in gym, because the endorphins are, being creative we're more likely to take part in that ripple effect and yeah the rest is history definitely definitely I 100% agree with you it's just it's all about your approach and that's why I took time before I started my physical journey and my whole approach might be different to a lot of people but it's made all the difference to my journey Mm. but not without hard extreme hard work and willpower and determination but it hasn't been hard because I've been in such a positive mindset if that makes sense yeah absolutely I totally understand yeah anybody on a health journey that's looking to make changes with the weight and the health they're definitely looking in the right place but even anybody regardless of weight who's just looking to change their approach before they start a physical journey and look at things differently it's not all about as I said the number it's about how you look at yourself and that's important as well focus on the lifestyle changes don't get consumed by the numbers thank you so much for joining me and and you take care and I can't wait to publish this and thank you for having me you're so nice (laughs) there have been so many great takeaways from Nicola in this episode and I really like the piece around the self-talk that she gave herself before she even stepped through the doors of a weight loss class. And Nicola said, you know, this wasn't a case of she needed to lose weight to feel happy. She was already happy on content. But it's really important to remember that Nicola was quite happy when she looked herself in the mirror and she saw that reflection. And how many people could actually say that before they embark on a weight loss journey? And if we could all take a piece of Nicola's advice and really look at the conversations that we have with ourselves on repeat, you know, the things that we say to ourselves, we wouldn't say to our best friends, we wouldn't say to a stranger on the street, but we think it's okay to repeat this negative banter day after day after day, year after year. And it has an effect. It has an effect. And just think about something that maybe. If you're on your weight loss or fitness journey, it's something that you could use alongside that, such as a meditation, such as keeping a, a gratitude journal, just to focus on that that thing before you go to bed, before you turn the lights out. And it could just be one word that you're grateful for in that day or one word that you can look at yourself and recognise as a, a positive attribute. Look at that self-talk. And look at what you can do to improve that and to give your weight loss and fitness goals the best possible chance. 
And if you're still yet to subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast, please hit subscribe. That will really help me with my podcast downloads and climbing the charts. Until next time, have a great week and let me know if you've been crazy enough to put in for any any 5k or 10k races this year. I don't know why I did it, but I've done it. So now I've got to see it through to the end. The money's been paid, the deed is done and yeah, getting up in the morning, I just need to stick to that momentum, even though at the moment it's, it's raining a lot. But I'm really intent on seeing that goal through and yeah, it's going to be... It's going to be interesting. It doesn't feel quite easy at the moment, but I'm determined to do it 100%. Until next time, have a great week and take care.